Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. My name is Boye. We're on this series called Money Matters, right? We started at the beginning of this month. And like I mentioned, this is the finale. This is the final part of the series. It's all available on YouTube, so please watch it if you have missed any part of the series. Last week, we did talk about seed, right? We talked about not eating your seed. Uh, I was just thinking about that because Friday was Black Friday, so I, I wonder how many of our seeds Jeff Bezos ate. But we looked at the principle of seed time and harvest, and you know, I mentioned briefly that in that phrase, if you take out seed, the only thing that is left is time. And what usually happens is that most of us, we are looking for harvest where we haven't planted, right? Wondering where the harvest is, but the only thing that, the only thing that has passed is actually time, right? It's actually time. So this, this morning, I'm going to break it into two different phases. God will help me. Um, I want to talk about the root and the source when it comes to our finances. One from a mindset, physical perspective, and then the other from a spiritual perspective. I really struggled with the first part, the mindset perspective, on if I, if I wanted to talk about it or not. But in our Connect group on Thursday, the men's group, men, men are interesting. I was looking at uh, some of the guys when Tola said, turn to your neighbor and tell them you look good. It was so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> if your neighbor was a guy, you're like, you look good. But thankfully, my neighbor was a lady, so I could say it easily. But we, we had conversations around, around money matters. And one of us actually brought the point up about how your root, your foundation is very critical to how you think about money. And about, no, about six years and a day ago, actually, I attended a breakfast seminar in Toronto around, around a conversation like this. And the first aspect of, of that conversation was talking about the foundation and philosophy of finances, of creating wealth, right? What do we actually believe around this? Talking about our ethics, our belief system, our core values, right, around finances. So what I'm going to do in this first part is just ask a few questions. I'm going to read it at a pace where hopefully, if you're interested in writing, you can write. But the questions are for you to go reflect on to understand how your mindset is when it comes to finances. And I believe it's important because we need to check our foundation, right, with all the knowledge that we've learned so far. We've learned different principles around finances, but imagine building all of that on sand, right? It's not going to last. It's not going to be, sus- it's not going to be sustainable. So we need to understand what our foundation and our philosophy is around, around creating wealth, around finances, right? Because the root system, if you think about any tree, the root system is actually what makes it sustainable. That's where the nutrients are, are drawn from, that's one. And then with regards to the foundation, I believe is Psalm 11 verse three, you know, that says if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So 
the first aspect of, of my, our brief conversation today is, is going to be around those questions. And then the second aspect is going to look into the spiritual component. So we are going to talk about the necessity of faith in your finances. And then we will end it with praying. All right, just a few prayer points just to end the series. And then my day will be great by the grace of God. So I said the first part is going to be around the foundation and philosophy of, of finances, of wealth creation. So I'm going to go through these questions, provide a bit of commentary around it, but my goal is honestly just to have the questions available to each and every one of us so that we can think about it and reflect on it, right? Because we need to understand our thinking, our foundation around money. In the Men's Connect group, when the individual gave, gave the example, you know, he mentioned that he has had to relearn his thinking around money because all he heard growing up is, I don't have money, I don't have money, where's the money? The money uh, does money grow on trees? I'm sure a handful of us can relate to that, right? So that kind of mindset really affects how we relate to money, right? So I'll go through the questions and then, you know, we can reflect on this uh, at our own time. So the first one is, what do you believe about wealth? Do you believe it's bad? Or do you believe it's good? That's the first one. What do you believe about wealth? Some people are like, of course it's good, but <laughs> you have to remember that in some of the environments that some of us grew up in, when people become wealthy, they completely change, right? So you might reflect on that and, and think like, I don't want my character to be affected and then have a different mindset about, about wealth creation. And maybe that's not you, but this is an opportunity to reflect on that. What do you believe about wealth? Do you believe it's bad or good? Second question, what level of ethics or what ethics do you have with regards to wealth? Do you believe it is legally possible to create wealth? Do you believe it is legally possible to create wealth? Because sometimes we explain it away. We see someone who is wealthy, you're like, oh, you don't know what they did. Right? That's, that's usually our first approach to it. Uh, you don't know what they did. You don't know who they are worshipping, or you don't know this or that, right? So what ethics do you have with regards to wealth? Do you believe it is legally possible to create wealth? And then this one is interesting. This one talks, the third question, it talks about our feelings around finances. So when you get your income, when it is a lot, how do you feel? That's one. When you make large expenses, how do you feel? Hmm. So if your income is 2,000 this week, how do you feel compared to when it's 4,000 the next week? And then large, large expenses, when you buy appliances versus a Starbucks coffee. How do you feel about that? The fourth one, if you are never wealthy, how do you feel? People are like, God forbid. <laughs> Reject it. It's a question to reflect on. If you are never wealthy, how do you feel? Fifth one, do you desire to be wealthy? Do you desire to be rich? Resounding yes. I can just be in, I'm just hearing yes, yes on my, on my right hand side. 
Okay. And then the last two. Name two people that are wealthy and that you admire. Two people that are rich or wealthy and that you admire. Everyone has to put Pastor B's name as one of them for sure. Oh yeah, that's, that's an easy one. And then the last question, name two people that you admire that are not wealthy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, well, anyways, I'll let <laughs> each person reflect on that. I just had a, an interesting reaction. <sighs> two people that you admire, like, and I like this one. <laughs> What's that like? Oh, God help us. <laughs> so those are the questions. Just to dig around our foundation, our philosophy around wealth creation. Around wealth creation. So we're going to go to the, to the second part now, which is the necessity of faith in your finances. The necessity of faith in your finances. All right. So, faith is a critical component in our Christian walk. There's absolutely no doubt about it. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith, right? Hebrews 11:6. Faith is reflected or should be reflected in what we do and how we live as Christians, as people who believe in Jesus Christ. Recently, one of the things God has been teaching me around faith or specific to faith is how we act in faith in our daily living. So most of the time when we think about faith, we are thinking about the, you know, the big miracles like healings and, you know, raising the dead and, and things like that, right? And rightfully so, faith is required for, for those kind of things. But if we think about some of our daily activities, like the act of praying, it requires faith. Because, I don't know about you, most of the time I don't feel like praying. But I know that in God's word, based on his word, he says I call upon him and he would hear me, right? So I act on his word and then I go to pray because it's a God that hears me, right? If you, are, if, if you even think about other activities like just going to work, there are days where energy is depleted, zero you know, completely zero. Obviously, there's the consequence of if you don't show up, you might not have work to go to. That's for sure. But there are people that still understand that consequence, but they don't have the energy to go. But then we stand on God's word and we believe in God's word uh, that we are strengthened in our inner man and then we actually take that action and go to work. Or even in our minds, there are days where mentally you don't even want to do anything. There's anxiety about seeing your coworkers, about taking the bus or anything, but you believe that you have a sound mind and you take action based on that. Faith in your daily living. I remember reading in one of Kenneth Hagin's books, he was telling the story about how he had been bedridden for 16 months, right? And he got healed. And it was time to face reality, right? Because he needed work. 
He needed to buy shoes, clothes for school. And this is someone who has been in bed for 16 months. Obviously, people don't hire sick, sick people, unfortunately. And eventually, he got a job. And he said this was during the Depression days. So work was very hard to come by. So he got a job at a, a nursery, so like a garden center, where they were pulling trees, peach trees. In his book, he was like, <laughs> I can tell you, that was work. right? And this is a guy that has been in bed for 16 months. Your muscle hasn't done much. Thank God Coach Brian is here today. You haven't exercised. You haven't done any of that. And just the understanding of that work, it definitely is a physical activity for sure, right? And he mentioned that every morning he would show up, and some of the guys there, they'll be like, well, I didn't think you would show up here today. And he would always say in Psalm 27, verse 1, that the Lord is the strength of my life. I'm here. The Lord is the strength of my life. And he always said that every time he said that, he didn't feel the strength until he started pulling the trees. And then it would actually last longer than any of the guys that were there. Right? So faith, faith in our daily living. In addition to that, the very essence of believing that God exists requires faith because we can't see him. Right? God is spirit. That's what the Bible says. The Bible actually calls him the father of spirits in Hebrews 12, 9, that says, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? So the Bible calls him the father, the father of spirits. Also, the very foundation of our Christian walk requires faith. Our Christian walk, which, which is the reconciliation of our relationship with God the Father, based on what Jesus Christ did, made available by grace, and is activated, activated by what? Our faith. Right? Paul puts it this way, that for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith is a critical, critical component to our Christian walk. Living by faith is emphasized across, across the Bible. Starting off with Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4 says, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. This is my opinion. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, Once has God spoken to us, twice have I heard. This scripture, the just shall live by faith, is emphasized across four different books in the Bible. And the way I interpret it, my opinion, when it says, God has spoken once, twice have I heard, it means if God has said something through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, four times across the Bible, it's something we must definitely pay attention to. It's something we must pay attention to. Paul writes it in Galatians 3.11. He writes it in Romans 1.17. He also, depending on who you believe the author of Hebrews is, he also wrote it in Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith.
Faith is essentially demonstrating trust and confidence in God and his word by the actions that we do, right? That's what faith is. And I'm not going to dive deep, deep into faith. I'm very excited. Pastor mentioned he's doing a series on faith ne next year. So that's going to be really great. But faith is demonstrating trust and confidence in God and his word by the actions that we take. So the reason why I'm introducing, very briefly, the concept of faith is because, like most things in our lives, if we look behind the scenes, right? Uh, we had a sermon on behind the scenes earlier this year. The root cause of insufficiency of poverty is in the spirit realm, the spiritual. If we really look behind the scenes, and of course, I'm going to show you uh, through the word of God. We established in, in the first week, Pastor mentioned that, that money is an important factor for individuals to fulfill their destiny. You have talented people all across the world, in third world countries, that probably have the ability to figure out the cure of some of these incurable diseases, as we call them as of now, but they don't have the opportunity that some of us have to attend some of the best schools here and gain the knowledge. So that lack of finances, lack of money is truncating their destiny. In fact, God sees poverty as a destroyer of destiny. Proverbs 10.25, it says, the latter part says, the poverty of the poor is their destruction. The poverty of the poor is their destruction. So we've talked about all these principles, you know, since week one, about being stewards of our money, about not eating your seed. We talked about the way of the steward, and we had that kingdom, kingdom of God chat, right, that shows, you know, different areas which our finances should go to. But if we really look into the Bible, Deuteronomy 28 shows us that insufficiency or poverty is one of the consequences of the curse of the law. So Deuteronomy 28 is an interesting book, um, chapter of the Bible, because the first, I believe, 14 verses talks about consequences of obedience to the law, right? These are all good things, right? You know, you behead not the tail, you eat the fruit of the land, and things like that. And then from verse 15 to like 51, the ratio didn't add up to me. It just talks about curses of of the so curses of the law. And if we start from verse 29, Deuteronomy 28, verse 29, we're going to see instances of insufficiency or poverty that is as a result of the curse of the law. It says, and you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall only, you shall be only oppressed and plundered continually and no one shall save you. That doesn't sound good. Verse 28, if we jump to that quickly, I'm just going to read a few verses just to show you evidence of insufficiency. Verse 38, sorry. Evidence of insufficiency as a result or as a consequence of the curse of the law. It says, you shall carry much seed out of the field, but gather little, for the locust shall consume it. So essentially, you have regular income, you have a decent job, but you can't account for where all the money is going. 
you can't account for it. The curse of the law. The thing is something that is so vital to our destiny because God is a loving Father, and I'm always so grateful for that. Something such as finances that is so vital to our destiny has to have a solution in the spiritual realm as well. The Bible says, and this is the good news, that cursed is he who hangs on a tree. And Jesus dying on the cross for us means that he redeemed us from the curse of the law. I think that's worth celebrating. He redeemed us from the curse of the law. We had such a great time um, yesterday at, uh, at the camp meeting. I'm trying to, yeah, it was really, really good. I'm trying to, uh, to remove my mind from it as I, as I discussed this, but some of the things Pastor taught us is, is very related to this. Because Jesus has died on the cross and he has taken our place based on his actions on the cross, we have that redemption right over the circumstances and the benefit, I'm sorry, over the circumstances or the consequences of the curse of the law. That is for sure. I joked around, I joked about Deuteronomy 28 and from verse 15 and it talks about, you know, all the different curses. But I think it's important that we actually read it to know the illegitimate things that are happening in our lives. To understand that, if I'm seeing traces of any of these verses in my life, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't, it shouldn't be the case. It should not be the case. Yes, Jesus has paid the price. He has taken our place. But we need to enforce our redemption rights. And that's why I want us to pray today. We need to enforce our redemption rights over these circumstances so that we can benefit from what Jesus has already done for us. Essentially, we need to take responsibility. Like I mentioned last week, we cannot, we must not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We can't. We can't. I'm so glad that the solution is in the power of the gospel. At Team Rally Week today, we were thanking God for the blood, for the blood, the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of the blood of Jesus. And this is why I emphasized faith at the very beginning, because faith is essential to understand and benefit from what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Sometimes we box God into certain areas, right? Faith is available for salvation. Faith is available for healing. Faith is also available for your finances. Faith is available for your finances, that is for sure. Hmm. The reason why I'm emphasizing this is, I think about a year ago, you know, we, we received a prophecy about going forward. Obviously, when God, give, when God gives us a word, it's to benefit his kingdom. And we need to remember that we are part part of God's kingdom. We are part of God, God's kingdom. That benefit comes in peace. It comes in joy. It also comes financially. Right? It's something that I believe we need to embrace. We need to embrace. And this morning, I really want us to pray and exercise our faith as a house because we know that 
at Lighthouse Church, when God gives us a series or a word, He usually defines seasons, right? And I think this is an opportunity for us to press in. We don't do this often. Uh, and we were talking about it in our, in our Men's Connect group. You know, have we ever done a series like this before or whatnot? Maybe, I, maybe once on generosity or something, but this doesn't happen often. So we need to take advantage of this opportunity. Yes, I said this series defines season. I mean, <laughs> you don't need to be a prophet to understand the season we are in right now. To understand what's going on in our economy. But having said that, I think the word for the house is that God is about to usher us into a season of abundance. Even in this period, even in this economy. Even in this economy. The question is, yes, why is so? Why is faith necessary in our finances? Because we need faith to go forward in line with God's direction for our lives so we can enter that season of abundance. I really love the story of Peter in Luke 5. Luke 5, maybe if we start from verse 3 or 4. This was when Jesus stepped into Peter's boat and he said to him in verse 4, he said, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets for a catch. Peter, like every other person, he doubted in his head. But he still had faith in his heart. Because he said, at thy word, at thy word, I will let the nets down again. So some of us, we've heard that prophecy about going forward a year ago, right? And we're still contemplating, we're still thinking about it. Everything makes sense on paper. But we just need that faith to push ahead, to go forward in line with God's word. That's the first thing. The second thing why we need faith is to break every cycle of insufficiency in our lives and in our families. To break the cycle of insufficiency in our lives and in our families. He always just feels like something comes up. You have a decent job, like according to job standard, you have a decent job, but something just always comes up every time. I remember when I started working and then I had my car and, you know, I'll just take it for an oil change. <sighs> Those guys, if they call you too early, <laughs> don't pick up. <laughs> it usually means there's something else wrong. And in as much as sometimes you might want to ignore it, <laughs> you drive your car out and you just hear it sound like, ah, that's what they were talking about. It just plays on your mind. But it just always felt that way that, you know, something just always came up with this car, you know. So you might be in that situation. It's just a cycle of insufficiency. Yes, you have steady income, steady regular income, but it just feels that it's not enough. And you're following the principles, you're living simply as much as you can, you're content, but it just feels like there's a, there's a cycle of insufficiency in your life. That's one thing. And the second thing we're going to tackle today, because it is the will of God for us to lack nothing. It is his will. Deuteronomy 2 verse 7. It is the will of God 
for us to lack nothing. Breaking that cycle of insufficiency is based on what Christ has done for us. Remember, I said, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He has taken our place. He has taken our place because Christ is our Passover and he has redeemed us from the cost. So essentially, he has paid the price. The question I had in my head, you know, when I was thinking about it, is like, why am I paying the price for, for what someone has already paid for? We really need to think about it. If someone gave you a voucher and, you know, of $500 and they said, you know, go to the mall, everything there is paid for, and then you get to the mall and they ask you to pay again, you're going to enforce your rights. And I feel like a lot of us Christians, we are just double paying, double paying, double paying. Because Jesus has already paid the price. So why are we paying again? Why? We need to enforce that redemption right because we have the authority. Think about a, a policeman who lives, I don't know, Baseline and Maryville. He lives there and every morning there's just traffic because of some unruly people. He's a policeman. He has the authority to control traffic. And based on those unruly people, it increases his commute to work from like 20 minutes to an hour. And he just keeps going. It's like, ah, I guess this is what the traffic is saying today. And he just keeps going and going. I feel like that's what a lot of Christians are, are doing. Rather than him stepping out of his vehicle and arresting the unruly people or at least directing traffic to get things to normalcy again. We really, really need to enforce our rights as Christians. We need to take responsibility. We need to take responsibility. That's why the word of God is important because it shows us how things should be as children of God. I remember when we were renovating this place, I was trying to figure out installing the, the light plates at the socket and struggling with it. And then Mr. Charles showed me how to do it. And then, you know, I did a few here and then I went to the kids' room and then I started doing it. I had my drill and I was like just getting at it now as a professional. And, you know, there was, a, there was a bit more aggression in how I was doing it because I knew what to do. I knew how it should look like. And the Holy Spirit said to me that that's how Christians should be when things don't look how it should be. Because the Bible says the violent takes it by force. So you see a situation in your life that doesn't align with the word of God. There needs to be an aggression. It's like, this, isn't, this is not my redemption, right? This is not my redemption, right? This is not what the scripture says about me. But we've accepted it. <clears throat> we've accepted it. There's social welfare. And I'm not against it. But is it my redemption, right? Mm, touchy topic, is it? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram.